Hello, and welcome to Cumulative Update, your source for the latest Office 365 changes and tech industry news. Let's talk about new Office 365 changes. So there's quite a number this week, so we'll try and get through this pretty quick. Uh, there's a new feature. Uh, the Office 365 app launcher, users are gonna be able to manage the pinned applications for themselves. Um, so yeah, that'll be a uh, interesting new change, more self-driven changes and management there. Um, also, another new, couple, lots of new features this week. Uh, people will now be able to add a poll to Outlook. Uh, you won't need to uh, have end users download the quick poll add-in from the store to uh, uh, and manually install it in Outlook to create a poll. It's going to come pre-installed, so that's good if your organization does a lot of polling through Outlook. There's a new Teams Outlook email integration. People are going to be able to share conversation via email. Uh, so yeah, that's interesting. So there's going to be share email to teams, share a copy of an email and any attachments from Outlook to a channel or chat in teams, share a conversation via email, share a copy of a teams channel or chat conversation via email directly from the teams client, reply to teams, missed activity emails, ability to respond to teams, uh, missed activity emails directly within Outlook clients, as well as see the latest missed messages. Uh, so this should be rolled out to general availability by mid-April. It was a uh, pushback, so I guess that's a pushback update. Uh, we got an update available for Office 365 Pro Plus on the monthly channel, if that's the update channel that you're on. Uh, that's March 2nd, so you probably uh, started rolling out March 1st, so hopefully they've rolled out to most people by now. Uh, yeah. Always great to know when they're pushing out updates. <clears throat> Here's another new feature that's uh, been pushed back to mid-April from mid-March. They're moving the uh, location of a new chat button, the new chat button in Teams. Um, basically, right now, when you look at chat, you can see recent and contacts, kind of like two different tabs. That's going to just change into a drop-down menu. Um, maybe they're planning on adding more options. I don't necessarily see why they're changing that because, I mean, why? <laughs> um, the shortcut control N will continue to work the same way as before. So if your users are using shortcuts, then that's great. Uh, enhanced scheduling experience in Teams uh, should be rolled out by mid-March. Uh, they're extending the time frame for this update. We are replacing the existing scheduling form with a new form that retains all the existing scheduling functionality. The new form provides an improved view of available time, allows changing event information from the scheduling assistant tab, and includes an option for required and optional attendees. The new form also includes search within the location picker. 
Um, yeah, so they're just, I mean, when you were creating a meeting by an Outlook, you had pretty much all those options. So they're just getting it in line with, with Outlook, which is, which is good. Dynamics 365 service update 150 for Canada. Awesome. That's March 4th. Uh, the, I am a Canadian, so, um, these updates may not include updates for other parts of the world. I could potentially look at including other parts of the world as well. Uh, if there's demand for that. Uh, okay. Back to the update as, uh, it's just a minor service update plan for the, uh, Microsoft dynamics 365 for the Canada region. How does this affect me? Part of this service updates, the following features may be affected. The version number for your Microsoft Dynamics 365 organization will update to version 9.1.0.15001 or higher after the background database operations complete. Uh, no expected degradations of service performance or availability, supposedly. Uh, planned outside normal business hours to help minimize any potential impact. Windows users may see short and uh, intermittent intermittent impacts such as transient SQL errors or a redirect to the login screen. If an impact occurs outside of the maintenance window, please contact support. Maintenance window starts at 1 o'clock in the morning, ends at 10 o'clock in the morning, March 14th. So put that in your calendars. If you're in Canada, at least. They might have already done it somewhere else. If not, you should have a, you know, Keep an eye out for another message. New Teams feature. Assign policies to a batch of users or group. Uh, they're adjusting the rollout. Used to be late. Uh, previously it was March, now it's late May. Uh, the PowerShell module now supports the ability to assign a policy to a batch of users or to a group, such as a security group or an organizational unit. With batch policy assignment, you can assign a policy to a large set of users without having to use a complex script. Policy assignments to groups is propagated to members of a group according to the precedence rules. As members are added to or removed from a group, they inherit policy assignments. Uh, their inherited policy assignments are updated accordingly if they do not have a direct assignment. Interesting. Updated feature. Microsoft Authenticator app shows full screen account pages. We're updating the Microsoft Authenticator app user interface to show full screen account views. Uh, we'll be gradually, gradually rolling this out to your end users who are iOS test flight customers in early March. We'll begin rolling it out to all iOS customers in mid-March. We'll be rolling this out on Android later this spring. Yeah. They're just changing how changing how it looks a little bit, which I mean, I use push notifications for approval. I would highly recommend that. Uh, it's the easiest. The only time I wouldn't recommend it is if you try to set it up and uh, your phone is too old, especially some Android devices. If they're too old, the push notification won't actually push. You'll you have to have the app open to 
get the notification, which kind of defeats the purpose of the push notifications. But, you know, if you have a device that's within two years, I'd say, age, then you're perfectly fine to just use push notifications. And it's, you know, really easy. And, I mean, I have, I think, like five different uh, office accounts with multi-factor enabled on them because uh, I do a lot of admin work. So, at least five. So, this is interesting. We're going to talk about this a little bit more later. Uh, Microsoft 365 preparedness for uh, coronavirus and guidance regarding best practices for Microsoft Teams. Uh Basically, they don't foresee any impact of the coronavirus on their services, which, I mean, why would they? You know, if people in IT get sick, we can work from home. Uh, You know, generally speaking, the people who are in the IT industry, I would say, are not in the major at-risk group. Yeah, we'll probably get sick but we probably won't die from it. Um, They have a comprehensive business continuity program, which they've provided a PDF. I mean, yeah, this is kind of, it's nice that they're letting everyone know their plans, but is it something that they really should have to do? I don't think so. I don't think so. They've probably just gotten a lot of emails asking asking about it, so it's just easier for them to push this out. But I would have just almost set up like an autoresponder that just, if somebody asks about coronavirus, here's, here's the PDF. Okay, moving on. OneDrive. There's a new Seek version history feature. Windows and Mac users will now be able to view and restore previous versions of their files directly in the desktop via uh, File Explorer or the Mac Finder. Should be done by the end of March. That's fantastic. Uh, definitely makes it easier to roll back to older versions. But I would say that right now, that certain Office applications definitely need that functionality built into the actual office app rather than and being able to compare versions right without having to do jump through hoops words pretty good excel is pain it's a pain to compare previous versions um yeah plan for change android support updates for mdm for office 365 mobile device management is moving to align uh, uh, OS support to Android platforms supported by Microsoft to Tune. We originally communicated this as part of some other update number. Uh, so currently support is for Android 5.0, Lollipop for Intune, and higher. Uh, does not apply to Polycom Android-based Teams devices running 4.4. Those devices will continue to be supported. Interesting. Why? Because those Teams devices, those are new. Those have come up in the last couple 
like within the last year is when we started getting those devices i feel like so or maybe they're just advertising them more um because 4.4 is old like that's whew, like don't know off the top of my head but i think that's like 2011 or 2000 like 2010 yeah so if, if even if those applications were built in like or those devices were built in 2016 like why why did you go with android 4.4 there was many better options uh, so yeah to avoid a reduction a reduction in functionality we recommend you do not onboard new devices uh into the device administrator management if a device is expected to receive an update to android 10 plus we we recommend you use intune for android uh android enterprise management so stop using mdm for android start using intune move all your devices over any new devices move them over I mean, the existing devices, it looks like they'll continue to work for now, but get done now rather than when they decide we're going to turn it off in a, in a month. Uh, whenever that happens. New feature, multilingual publishing for modern SharePoint. This feature enables the publishing and consumption of pages and news in multiple languages in a modern SharePoint communication site. This is an opt-in feature. Site owners must take action to enable this experience. Uh, they're rolling it out. Should be done by the end of March for targeted release. Rolled out to everyone by end of May. Won't be available for people in China, customers in China. So this is interesting. You'll be able to um, specify the site languages. Um, this is great for Canada, especially companies that have both French and English speaking people. This will be, I mean, this definitely addresses that issue rather than having two separate sites. You have everything together in one. So it looks like it's going to be, from a user perspective, it'll be like a, it'll say English right beside the share button in the header. And then they'll be able to swap between languages. Uh, there might even be some automatically, like you might be able to automatically translate pages too. We might have to do a video on that. Updated feature, Teams at team and at channel for non-English users. So if you're non-English, uh, they can use that localized as as well as in english which is fantastic because really that should have been there from from the get-go should be rolled out by the end of march lots lots of new new stuff okay updated feature end user access to phishing email so they're still rolling this thing out. It should be done by end of March. So basically, end users will be able to access phishing emails within quarantine. However, only admins, not end users, 
will be able to access high confidence phishing emails within quarantine. So a little bit of self-serve users will be able to see stuff that's in quarantine. I don't know that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not a good not not a good thing. Dynamics 365 changes to how you administer your Dynamics 365 instances. Starting February 27th, the list of admin centers on Microsoft 365 Admin Center will be updated to direct the Dynamics 365 Admin Center traffic to the Power Platform Admin Center. On the Power Platform Admin Center, you can manage and configure your Dynamics 365 instances, manage capacity, monitor usage, and perform other admin operations, as well as file and monitor support tickets to, uh, submitted to Microsoft. Apparently, GCC high customers do not currently have the ability to view capacity, monitor usage, or perform slash monitor support tickets in the new admin center. So it was again Microsoft adding a new admin center to change the look and feel and not necessarily porting over all the functionality of the existing admin center. You know, sometimes I wonder if they actually know what they're doing or not. Because sometimes it feels like they don't. Anyways. Teams. New feature. Allow IT admins to pre-install apps. Admins will soon be able to pre-install apps that will be visible when a user clicks the ellipsis on the left rail of the Teams desktop app. We'll be gradually rolling uh, this out to Teams admin portal in mid-March 2020. Rollout will be completed by early April. That's great. Uh, again, I think you could do that in the um, the web client version, but not the not the app. So, yeah. New Teams feature: Teams slash Skype consumer chat and calling interlope interop. Your Teams and Skype for consumers' use will soon be able to chat and make voice over IP calls to one another. We'll be gradually rolling this out by uh, end of uh, March. Rollout will be completed by end of April. It'll be disabled by default. So if you want to enable it, you'll have to go to the 365 Admin Center, External Access, and enable users to communicate with Skype users which might be good to a certain extent. Okay. New feature, pending changes to the new project, project for the web for our organization. We are making changes, uh, change to project, also known as project for the web, that requires action for you to perform. Uh, the step will need to be taken by April 6th, 2020. Uh, so prior to April 6th, you will need to verify the availability settings for a project on the web to ensure your uh, the experience you require. Currently not using project for the web. If you want to make project uh, for the web available to your organization, you will need to turn on project for the web. You can find the setting by navigating to the admin center, clicking on settings, settings, project. Set your project title setting to on. After April 6, 2020, project for the web will be enabled. We will honor the setting you have placed 
in place for Project for the Web after April 6th. So it sounds like if you have Project for the Web, by default, for new accounts, it's going to be turned on by default. Existing accounts, they'll respect the setting that you have. Okay, last Office 365 update. Updated feature, Outlook Mobile updates the rollout of privacy settings. Uh, in January, we announced that Outlook for iOS and Android would follow the privacy controls on diagnostic and related data that Office sends to Microsoft. When we rolled out this change, in-app notifications advised all users that a change in their privacy settings had occurred. This was not the intended experience. Consequently, we rolled, we rolled back this change. We apologize for any inconvenience or concerns. So they're going to roll it out again in a couple weeks. Let's hope they get it right this time. Um, with this update, users will be able to manage all of their account privacy settings in Outlook for iOS and Android via settings, preferences, privacy settings. If people in your organization update their privacy settings for their primary work or school account in Outlook or in another Office app, they turn off connected experiences. Those users will see the following alert in app message that leads to the following information about connected experiences. Okay, that's it for Office 365 changes. Let's move on to some of the headlines of this week. There's been a lot of headlines that came out today, which I'm not going to talk about, but uh, I do have a couple lined up and ready to go. Okay, so... Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that coronavirus. So there's uh, LG Innotech, supplier of iPhone cameras, closed its factory after a, co a coronavirus case. The Redmi 9 Note, or Redmi Note 9 event got canceled due to coronavirus and will instead have the launch online. Google canceled Cloud Next because of coronavirus. Go, They also went online only. Uh, so... I think Facebook also canceled F8. Microsoft's canceled some conference. And uh, these conferences actually are shifting online. So that's actually, I think, a good thing. Because personally, I don't... Living in Canada, it's tough for me to justify spending, you know, almost, probably what will end up being almost a week of time going down to the U.S., to attend a conference where you have to pay for the ticket down there, the hotel, food, uh, the conference ticket itself, which, I mean, yeah, they're all business expenses, but I think it's much more beneficial that now, because a lot of these events are also, not only are they moving online, but they're also online and free. And they've kind of been moving towards that anyways. A lot of the Microsoft conferences have been recorded and then published after the fact, uh, but not necessarily the whole presentation sometimes, which is kind of aggravating. But I think this can only be a good thing, really, because the it just makes it more accessible for people to be able to attend these talks. And a lot of times the talks are, are really good. I'll often listen to them uh, while I'm you know doing something else, unless they're very technical, in which case I'll pay a lot more attention continuing on the uh coronavirus trend uh alibaba uh they've traded ai 
to detect 96% of coronavirus infections. So they trained it on CT scans, and now uh, they've tested it a little bit, and it looks like the uh, AI can, with CT scans, can identify uh, infected patients with about 96% accuracy. And it only takes it about 20 seconds. In comparison, radiologists take 15 to, uh, 5 to 15 minutes per patient to go over the CT scans to determine if the person has coronavirus. Now, it's so much long. That's actually pretty quick considering because they potentially you're looking at like 300 pictures per patient, which I mean, they probably don't look at everything, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is a great use case, I think, for the AI that we have. I would probably say that at least for now, 96% accuracy is good, but there's still clearly like the 4% of false positives. So I would almost say what Alibaba should be doing and China and everywhere in general, run it through the AI, and then you have teams of radiologists. The radiologists are basically just, because the AI is going to go through way more patients than they can. So you go, you get a test, 20 seconds, you know, you get a response, you know, you might have coronavirus, you might not. That lets them make sort of like a like a decision there about self isolation, um, or you know putting you in quarantine, and then you wait because to be honest, with the amount of uh, people that are going to have to get scans and stuff, you're probably looking at a couple days. Then the radiologists come back and say, "Hey." you know, you didn't actually have coronavirus or no, we're, you know, the radiologists agree with, with the AI, you probably do have coronavirus. So I, I see that as, as only a benefit and not putting again, like when I talk to people about AI, we're not at the stage right now where I don't think AI could really completely replace a person. Uh, and you still need that person's safety net for a lot of things, but for some things, just let it do its thing and, 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 you know, move on. Continuing with the AI trend, IBM and Microsoft are, are supporting the Vatican's guidelines for ethical AI. So they signed on to what's called uh, Rome's Call for AI Ethics. So they both pledged to develop artificial intelligence in a way that protects all people and the planet. So pretty broad goals not very clear on what the impacts for ai development that entails like what their pledge even really means so yeah i mean i guess you know it's great that they're posturing like that but uh you know what actual impact is it going to have uh the european union has its own guidelines for uh ethical ai development and canada yeah canada and France are also uh, looking at the issue. Meanwhile, uh, the White House is cautioned against over-regulating AI because, of course, that's what America does. Okay, one, one more story, which is kind of a good story. Cloud computing is not the energy hog that had been feared. Uh, this is from the New York Times. I guess I should have mentioned the previous articles. I'll provide links 
in the description for this track. So, um, it's good news for the climate and, you know, my field, uh, which is broadly IT, because, uh, you know, it's something that I think about pretty regularly, climate change, the impact that my work has on the climate, because I know that computers do, and cloud computing centers do use quite a bit of energy. But the new study from this, which this article talks about, uh, so a new study of data centers globally found that while their computing output jumped sixfold from 2010 to 2018, their energy consumption uh, rose only 6%. So that's good. I mean, that's kind of expected because, you know, every iteration of chip and RAM and everything that makes a computer more powerful doesn't really add that much power consumption. It's just tweaking things here and there to make it the chip more efficient and so you know yeah that's 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 good um so the scientists findings suggest uh concerns that the rise of mammoth data centers would generate a surge in uh electricity demand and pollution have been greatly overstated and that there's been efficiency thanks to shifting to the cloud business model so you actually companies are spending less power running their stuff because they've shifted to the cloud uh which i mean is a good thing that's that's good i you know i don't know that they necessarily really dig in to see like well you know what if we just like didn't have cloud data centers compared to i mean there'd be a lot less part of the Part of the cloud model has now brought on all these additional services and cloud services and software as a service that might not have existed with just on-premise stuff. So, you know, that adds a lot of energy consumption because those services are also taking up power. Well, that is all we have time for today. Uh, this episode of the Cumulative Update is sponsored by Rowan Advisors. Rowan Advisors, helping you navigate Office 365. Thank you for listening to Cumulative Update.